the planning department, many of the commissioners, they had no clue what was going on. And the public really needs to educate the county officials because just because somebody's on the planning board doesn't mean that they know that there's an asphalt plant coming and it's going to be, you know, less than 500 feet from somebody's property. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the In Our Backyard podcast with your host, Jen Galler. This is the Blue Ridge Environmental Defense Leagues podcast, where I discuss environmental issues that are happening right in our backyards. This episode, I talk with Leslie, Scott, and Phil, who are all members of Protect Caswell, a chapter of the Blue Ridge Environmental Defense League that is dedicated to help protect and preserve rights in Caswell County, North Carolina. They are fighting Carolina Sunrock LLC, a company that plans to run three large hot mix asphalt plants, producing over two and a half million tons of asphalt per year, plus three truck mix cement plants, two stone crushers, and three power generators at three separate sites within 10 miles of each other in their community of Caswell County, North Carolina. Asphalt plants are sources of air pollution that may emit significant levels of both particulate matter and gaseous volatile organic compounds, VOCs, and these pollutants are considered to be dangerous to human health. One action that the Protect Castle chapter has made is a formal request to the Board of Commissioners for a comprehensive review of existing and proposed paving industry permits in the Prospect Hill and Anderson communities. They said, we submit to you this request for a multiple source review. We believe the draft permits are fatally flawed because they fail to protect public health. They concluded with, we just want all these smokestacks looked at together because they all emit toxic air pollution. With Leslie, Scott, and Phil, we discuss how they got started as a chapter, how they informed their county commissioners about these industries coming in, actions they're taking, flaws they found in the asphalt plant permits, and how others can help. To contact and connect with the Protect Caswell chapter will be in the show notes below, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hi, everyone. I'm with Leslie, Scott, and Phil, who are all members of (laughs) Protect Caswell, which is a chapter of the Blue Ridge Environmental Defense League. So just starting out, what's going on in your community of Caswell County in North Carolina? First of all, let's tell everyone where Caswell County is because that's one of the number one questions. We're in the Piedmont region of North Carolina and we're on the state line and we're right below Danville, Virginia. And we're a very much rural and agricultural county. And our county's made up of about 23,000 residents and we have no countywide zoning. And we do have some zoning in the municipalities of our two towns of Milton, North Carolina, and Yanceyville, North Carolina. But for the most part, the rest of the county, except for a small area at Heiko Lake, is totally unzoned. And that's in very much contrast to the surrounding counties, where most of the surrounding counties have zoning or have a heavy industrial impact ordinance that helps protect them from polluting industries or lease their zone so that they can properly place those industries within their county. We don't have such a ordinance zoning or high impact at this point. So I think that is one of the reasons a company has come into our county is because we didn't have zoning. And one particular company came in rather in force with one asphalt plant initially 
asked our county if we had a zoning. Our county said no, so they went at the state level to apply for their permit for their asphalt plant and basically took it out of the purview of our county, out of sight of our county, and was awarded the air permit from the state. And then a year later, they came back and said, okay, we're going to put in two more asphalt plants and a a very large quarry. And that's when the public became aware of it and started to come together in our communities, two primary communities in Anderson and Prospect Hill, and started joining together to find out what's going on and how it would affect them. And we held several community meetings at Roartan Building and American Legion Building. And we started going to the commissioner's meetings and things like that. And that all started, our awareness really began last year, I think around August, September timeframe. And that's where I think Leslie got initially involved. So I think this part of the story, I could probably turn it over to her to say what happened at that point and where we are today. I sure can. But it was 9-11 of all days. I had gotten a phone call from somebody who I'd never met. And she said that she had received a letter, a certified letter stating that there was going to be a meeting regarding a quarry and an asphalt plant. There was no notice in the newspaper. I live on a lake and the headwaters of the lake are 862 feet away from the quarry boundary. So anyway, I had a list of people who all who lived on the lake. So I started sending out emails and we got many of the folks to come to this meeting, which it was Sunrock's army and some county officials and a few citizens that were totally distraught and confused and blindsided. They had their lawyers there and the people wanted to ask questions and they wouldn't let us ask questions unless we went up to the individual presenters and asked individual questions because they wanted to manage the crowd and manage the questions. We immediately after the meeting said, we need to stop this. And, and so we started an email list and and one of our members went off and bought signs and we went and put signs up and went door to door. And just like every other Gretel nonprofit, you know, it was grassroots door to door and people were totally in the dark. When they presented this to us, they started off and they said, we want to share with you this exciting news. Our new Southwestern headquarters are going to be at 62 in Anderson. And it was their first sentence and it was their first slide and nobody really was paying attention to it. And then they went on to say that they had a 600 acre quarry and, and all the other things that go with that. And it wasn't put in the newspapers. So Anderson was clueless. We tried to get it out on Facebook. We tried to talk about it at the commissioner's meeting so that the editor of the newspaper would write about it. And it just kept getting dropped. And finally, Thanksgiving time, somebody learned about it. And so Anderson lit up. But this has always been, the citizens have been in the dark. They never posted signs to say that there was going to be a hearing so that they got their hands slapped and the clock stopped. But in the meantime, the citizens were clueless. And I can say that's where it started. And Anderson got on board and then we got more people involved. It was good that we had two different communities in two different parts of the county so that the rest of the county started listening because it's a 427 square mile county and the people on the northwestern part of the county do not care about what's going on in the southeastern part of the county. So having two townships involved was an eye opener for the rest of the county. 
Yeah, that was great. And so it sounds like after you all heard about the asphalt plants coming, you all took action pretty quickly. Do you think if there was countywide zoning, do you think that they still would have came to your county? Or do you Absolutely think not. The reason for that is because we have no road projects in our county, none. And there's not a real reason for them to be here other than that they thought it was going to be easy for them to come into our county and do this and be able to use the quarry for their rocks for their asphalt plants and then be able to truck it south. And I think with zoning, they would not have had much of a chance to come into our county. Well, and the location that they picked, they prefaced it with originally saying that they were most excited about the sand. Not much sand available west of 95, and you need sand for concrete and asphalt. So their plan was to you know, spend five years scraping the sand off the rock, and not all parts of the county have this sand. So if the southeastern part of Castle County was zoned agricultural residential, they would not have been able to pick this site for its sand. And Jim, let me add something just to tie into Leslie's story. So she was talking about Anderson got involved around Thanksgiving, and that's exactly right. We were having a gathering at Thanksgiving, and my uncle mentioned that he had heard about an asphalt plant coming to the Anderson community. And so my wife shared that information with one of her friends, and they became very active in trying to find out more information and started having community meetings. And, and then along with that, early in 2020, I had a brother-in-law who came and visited, and he is very knowledgeable about the permitting process. And so that's kind of when I got involved because I started trying to understand how does this permitting process work and what is the timeline for all of this? And I think that's one of the most difficult things for people to do is get a big picture on what's going on. Everyone's confused and no one really understands what the timeline is. And that is used to the advantage of the large companies because they know how to maneuver, you know, the process. But as individuals, we've never been exposed to this and it becomes very complicated. So having someone who could really explain that to us was essential. So anyone who gets into this situation, I think the best thing to do is really step back for a moment before you start digging too deep and just understand the big picture of the process. And then you can start focusing your attention based on where you think, where things are in the timeline. And so that was very helpful to us. And then we were able to have community meetings and start sharing information with people where we could show them timelines and say, this is what's happening and this is what's going to happen next. And this is where you can help in that, along with letter writing campaigns and starting to put pressure at the county level and the county government. So all of those things come together, but really understanding what's going on is really important because if not, you start, but you don't really understand the big picture and you waste too much time, you know, whacking at weeds when you need to be somewhere else. I want to add to Scott's comments. Mm -hmm. When we learned about the quarry, it was 9-11. Well, they had submitted their application to the state on August 29th, which meant we had 30 days to stop the permitting to ask for a public hearing. Well, so we really only had about 21 days to get enough people to write letters to stop the permitting and to ask for a public hearing, which we did manage to do. And on November 4th, we had a public hearing and over 300 people showed up. 
they were served dinner. We were hoping that that would get them to come to, to the meeting. And we had public officials and we had journalists. So that was November 4th. And November 18th, the Demler turned around and gave them an ad info letter. So as to Scott's point, we had no idea what we were doing. All we knew was that we needed to get a public hearing. And that's it. Just that was the only thing that we understood. So now we know more. And it's true. You can spend a lot of time whacking at weeds if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. To add to both Scott's and Leslie's, you know, looking at who would come and look at this podcast, more than likely it's going to be other counties who are in our same position who want to know how they can fight an asphalt plant or how they can fight a quarry. Mm -hmm. And what we're finding out is the best offense to do this is to look at the processes like Scott mentioned and the procedures to figure out what the state permitting process is and how to best find the flaws in it and things like that. The, the state is under their regulations to allow the permit if there's nothing in their regulations that would not permit it. And so that we're trying to find out things that will stop it, things that they've done wrong or that their you know pollution emissions are incorrect or something like that so that DEQ at the state level will stop the permitting process. So you fight it at the state, you go to your county, you fight it at the local levels, so that's our learning process to go through all these wickets to try to find out how best to fight this. Without ordinances and without zoning, you really have no leg to stand on at the county level. Yeah, that's all really good information. And you all didn't have much time for this permit. It was pretty quick turnaround. So did you all know anything about the dangers or health concerns about asphalt plants before? You know, that process, that learning process that we went through, I know the first time I heard it, I was like, okay, an asphalt plant, what's the big deal, right? I'd seen them before. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have to have asphalt plants to pave roads. But as I was exposed to more information, you know, through the information Phil had gathered and also through, you know, the information that I was getting from other folks in the community, I started saying, okay, this actually is a big deal and we need to be aware of it. And obviously, as you become more and more aware of the health issues associated with the emissions, when things start to open your eyes about this is not just a normal business that's going to locate down the road here. One shout out to Breedle. When we first started our community meetings, we decided to invite Breedle to come and talk to us about their organization. And afterwards, we voted to join. And the resources that they provided us, as well as the information, have been tremendous to help us in our fight. And I think we're very glad that we joined and that we hope that we've proven a good chapter to them. Yeah, definitely. Jen, I'll add to what Phil said. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, we went through this process of having different organizations and law firms come and speak to the group. And, you know, in that process, we were also trying to brainstorm and find different ways to attack the situation. And so I think in the end, when you look back on it, what you're trying to do is brainstorm different ideas based on what your community has. And then you know, try to find ways to organize committees to go and investigate those. So, for example, the health issues associated with, you know, the emissions will, you know, who would like to investigate that and do some research and then come back and present that so everyone can be aware that's much better than each individual trying to go off and try to research it themselves. 
And then, you know, we also ran across here in Anderson a situation where the proposed asphalt plant was going to be located right beside of a residential area that was predominantly African-American. And so we were trying to figure out, okay, well, is there, you know, a way that we can fight it through that process of environmental justice? And so as we learned more about the permitting process at the state level and that they had environmental justice reports were actually part of their process, we then organized a group that actually preempted state process and others went door to door and gathered information. And we actually created an EJ report that replicated what the state would generate. And so we were able to then demonstrate that population is much, much higher than the state average and the county average of, you know, my minorities. And so that was also an angle that I think helped us put the brakes on the state permitting process. In the end, whether that's going to stop the plant, I have no idea, but it's another avenue. So you just have to keep looking at what is in the community and what you have to work with and obviously looking at trying to get the county health department involved and looking at health issues associated with this and those activities got started and they're still underway as a matter of fact. So those are some of the things that I thought of is just trying to organize different groups who are interested in different topics and possibility of taking legal action. That's a whole separate category that has lots of interest, right? Because the first thing people think of is, well, let's go hire some lawyers and attack this thing. But the first time you talk with the lawyers and you understand how much money that's going to take, it sets you back real quickly. Also, it's really important in a rural county somehow to communicate with the people that are in the county. A lot of people leave the county to go to work. A lot of people are older and are insular. And a lot of people that are involved with the county government are still clueless. The planning department, many of the commissioners, they had no clue what was going on. And the public really needs to educate the county officials because just because somebody's on the planning board doesn't mean that they know that there's an asphalt plant coming and it's going to be you know less than 500 feet from somebody's property they don't know and so you you have to go and talk to the board of commissioners you have to talk to your planning board you have to talk to soil and water because again just because these folks have a title and are whether they're a volunteer or paid they still are clueless and it's up to the community to educate them and to use the newspaper and to use the radio and to use editorials and free advertising great and you've mentioned some but what are some of the achievements that you all have had I guess the timeline of, of how this transpired was Leslie and Bill and many others throughout the county were, you know, they were attending commissioner meetings and making public comment and educating the commissioners on how dissatisfied the citizens were with this situation. I'd say the first very, very important thing that happened as a result of all the people who were involved was the commissioners actually passed a moratorium very quickly. And they started on this, I think the discussions from the November timeframe and the first meeting in January, they passed a one-year moratorium on polluting industries. And that was a huge win to help put the brakes on anything else. So that was the first week of January. And so here we are in October and the county has a referendum on the ballot to vote for zoning, countywide zoning. We also have tremendous momentum on getting a HIDO passed in the coming weeks as well. So I think we're going to be successful in getting protections in place before this moratorium ends, but it's taken, you know, a lot of effort to get to that point. But fortunately, the county has had to push a lot, but 
they are working with us to try to get these things passed. And obviously we don't know how zoning is going to turn out. That's going to be voted on here soon. And although the vote doesn't determine because the county vote to pass or deny zoning, that's just an indication to the commissioners. They have the full right to pass zoning on their own, but they are putting it on the ballot to get the opinion of the citizens. At this point, I have no idea whether that's going to pass or not, but hopefully we can get the Hido passed in the next few weeks as well to give us some added protection regardless of whether or not zoning is passed. As I said before, this company came in, they're looking to put three asphalt plants into our county and one quarry all within a 10-mile zone. Looking back, we've been able to demand a public hearing. We've gone to the commissioners and they have supported us as far as a letter to DEQ showing their support not to have polluting industries in our county. And they've put in a moratorium. They've held meetings, which unfortunately were halted because of the pandemic. And they put a zoning referendum on the ballot for the upcoming election. And we forced DAQ to hold a public air permits. However, two of the air permits were denied, which were great. So they canceled the public hearing. So that is a big achievement at this point because they were denied. And we have a third asphalt plant that has a permit already. We're asking it to be reopened and reexamined. So we're hoping that that will be a success later. And the mining permit, additional questions have delayed that mining permit until hopefully next year. So we've been very successful as a community and to fight this thing away so that the decision makers can eventually not permit these facilities into our county. Yeah, that's great. And with the permit, you all talked about a lot of things you found in it. Are there any other major like flaws or things that stand out in the permit that you all are taking issue with? The biggest thing at this point, the reason why the two permits were denied was because of excessive emissions, excessive nitrogen dioxide and sulfur dioxide emissions that were found. And that's a biggie because it wasn't a little above the limit that were considered healthy. It was a lot above the limits. So the company has to go back and look and see how they can control those emissions and then reapply since permits were denied. They're appealing that decision at this point and looks like they're going to have a court hearing next January. But we're looking at all the emissions, including the emissions that they're considered toxic that they're monitoring during their operations that they were permitted to operate. Yeah. And then how close will these plants be from y'all's homes or of people that you know? Well, the quarry is 862 feet away from a drinking reservoir for the city of Roxborough. And it's three miles from my home. But there are not very many homes, but there are probably 70 homes that are within two miles of the quarry and asphalt plants. Yeah. And in the Prospect Hill area, there's a lot of homes that are within just a few hundred feet of the property line of where the quarry would be. Over in Anderson, there's a couple of homes that are within hundreds of feet as well of the property line of where these would be located. So very close proximity. And, you know, if we are successful passing Hido, any new facility such as this, there would be no way that they could get into the locations that they're currently being proposed. And then how are you all as the Protect Caswell chapter, how are you getting the community involved with taking action? You talked a little bit about like letter writing and stuff like that. 
Well, letter writing is the biggest one. And then also letter writing to the commissioners for, for action, asking for action from the commissioners and writing editorials. Yeah. In, in terms of our chapter, even though we've had the pandemic, you know, just before the pandemic, we were holding weekly meetings, which were basically large community meetings. And large community meetings are great, but they're also it takes a lot of planning and effort to make those happen. You know, once everything got shut down from the pandemic here, we kind of reset everything and started the Zoom meetings. And it took us a little while to get ourselves organized and readjusted. But we started having weekly meetings and they actually became very effective after we got through the growing pains of that. So establishing the chapter, you know, as part of Breedle, having Breedle's assistance to help guide us in, in some of the questions that we have and then organizing our meetings, which... We have very good attendance. We were meeting weekly for a time, and now we meet every other week, but we still have very good participation. And Leslie, in her part of the county, she has a tremendous group of citizens who she can call on to take action in terms of letter writing and things like that. We have signs all over the county and, and here in Anderson likewise, right? So we're able to rally people relatively quickly if we want to take action on something, you know, whatever that might be. Great. Well, you guys answered a lot of my questions, but is there anything we didn't cover that you all want to talk about or how other chapters could support you in this fight? Well, one of the things is that if, uh, if another chapter has had a success that they feel like we should know about, please feel free to contact us. We've contacted another chapter about the success we've had with the two denied air permits. So we're, you know, I think that's the key is to share information among the chapters, to share success stories so that, so that something isn't overlooked in one flight or another. We need to change state legislature. A couple of years ago, the Builders Association passed a bill and attached to that was the life of permit. So if a quarry comes in, it used to be, I think it was 10 or 15 years. And now when they get a permit, they can operate for as long as they want until there's no rock left without being re-permitted or without having to look at their permitting again. So getting the chapters together that need to change the legislation would be phenomenal if we could change the laws or the statutes. That would be great. Okay, great. And then how can people contact or connect with you all and the chapter? They can go to our website at protectcaswell.org and they can contact us through the site. There's a link for the admin and also for the quarry there. And hopefully we can keep that up to date and show them what's going on and the concerns that we have. So it's uh, protectcaswell.org. There is a Facebook page called No Caswell Quarry, and that's where we put our publicity, our editorials that are in the paper, etc. Thank you so much to Leslie, Scott, and Phil for talking with me about the journey you have all had in your community of Caswell County. I'm going to link more information about the dangers of asphalt plants in residential areas, countywide zoning, and moratoriums on polluting industries. And if you're a county or community that has a proposed asphalt plant coming in or currently has one, feel free to reach out to the Protect Caswell group or Brettle as a whole. And tune in next Friday for a new episode and have a good week, everyone.